Hello and welcome to another episode of Andrew's Amazing Podcast. I'm your host, James Santana. And normally I would introduce Hunter as my co-host slash sidekick, uh, but he's actually on vacation right now. So lucky him, uh, but he'll be back next week. Uh, this week I am joined by my wife and also co-host in life, uh, Lisa Santana. Uh, thank you for coming and joining me on the episode and filling up for Hunter. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Last minute. So Happy to be here. <laughs> It's great because we can actually record from my house, so it's a lot easier and lazier for me to do this. Um, but again, the show doesn't stop, even though one of us is on vacation, so we continue to do the same stuff we do every week. So we're going to jump into... So let me finish the intro like normal. Uh, we are brought to you by Andrew's Amazing Comics Town in Salem, New York. Now, first, let's start the show off for just... Uh, now, let's start the show first up with some news. Uh, new merchandise has dropped uh, from Marvel, official Marvel content. Uh, from Spider-Man No Way Home, which actually spoils the movie. Um, I will be going to spoiler territory here for those who haven't seen the merchandise yet, but um, if you want, you can skip ahead a little bit. Um, there are three prop figures that have, four prop figures that have dropped, um, one of them being uh, Doctor Strange with a shovel, uh, Peter Parker in a black and red outfit, uh, Peter Parker, uh, Spider- well, Spider-Man in a black and gold outfit, and Peter slash Spider-Man in a sort of classic Spider-Man outfit, but with magic, uh, with the Doctor Strange uh, sigils in front of him. Um, Titan also released their figures, uh, again, akin to the black suit from the pop figure. They just made a bigger one. Um, so people are speculating that that means each one of those three pop figures is actually one of the three Spider-Men that will be showing up in the movie. Or, um, most likely, this is Peter having his own uh, uniform, that's been augmented by Doctor Strange. Uh, we all knew that Doctor Strange was going to be Peter's replacement uh, mentor for the series uh, with Tony Stark being uh, dead. So I don't know what this kind of means. You can take it with a grain of salt. Um, I am going with the theory that these are just Peter's upgraded suits uh, for the movie. Um, I mean, I could be proven wrong with the show. With shows like Loki out, um, it's not surprising that this got leaked where this is a spoiler for Loki, but we now know there are other variants of Loki besides Sylvie um, at the end of episode four. So with this kind of merchandise being out there, it kind of lent itself to being um, more in line with Loki and that these other two Spider-Men that we see, uh, the black suit and the one in that has magic with him, might be the two, var- two variants of Peter, what classic Peter are, Peter Tom Holland Peter, is um, in the traditional black and the black and uh, red suit uh, pop figure. So I'm surprised we'll see where that goes from there. Um, I am excited to see kind of what, what happens there. Um, next up, we have JC's company Blackstone Tactical Opportunities acquires CGC. Um, CGC, for the guys who don't know, CGC is the comic book grading company um, that grades all comic books. If you've ever seen that blue clear case, that's what CGC is. Um, they just recently got bought last week, um, by Jay-Z's company, which is crazy. Um, what does that mean for those who do CGC and what does it mean for books and stuff like that going forward in the future? Um, uh, Tactical Opportunities is an investment firm. So what's crazy about this is that most likely the price is just going to go up. All the books that are currently at CGC will still be at CGC. All that stuff will be the same, they're not changing the name, anything like that. Um, if anything, they will use this as an opportunity to diversify their portfolio, um, but do expect to see a price increase. Um, 
with a lot of books that were are sent down. I know we just got the price hike a couple about a month ago um, from CGC. Clearly, that was more of a post-COVID response uh, mm-hmm. and a means to make more money um, during this mini recession we're having. Um, but again, I think this has more to do with a business opportunity. So guys, don't worry. CGC will still be operating as normal. I know there is still now up to eight months delay for books to come back. But again, that's because they don't have enough staff. But maybe with this uh, takeover, they'll be able to hire more people to be able to get books turned around faster. Um, and we'll see. We may be able to go into a little bit more different different merchandising. Uh, we know CGC went from just doing comics recently to doing uh, Pokemon and Magic cards for grading. Um, so we may see more of additional grading services from CGC in the future. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, that's newer news. Uh, next up, we do have a new um, lack. New X-Men comic coming out, slash Avengers comic coming out, uh, called Phoenix Endsong Echo. Uh, just in time for Echo's uh, premiere in, I'm guessing, Hawkeye. Um, Phoenix Endsong Echo will star the titular character Echo as a new Phoenix host, uh, spinning out Jason Aaron's Avengers series. Um, from there, it's a miniseries. Again, it holds this old title of uh, Phoenix Endsong, which we saw in the last book, um, which was a focus on Ember Frost. And her and the Cuckoos being in the Thousand and One and being possessed by the Phoenix Force during that. Uh, so, again, the writing team is announced, but I did not look up the writing team for this. But I'm excited to see anything that gives me more of um, Jason Aaron's Avengers stuff is cool. I like that they're expanding it, giving new readers a little bit more time with Echo to understand that, who she is as a character. Um, because really, many people don't know her. She's a data, she's originally from the data of around, I think this issue nine or eight or nine uh, of a data of issue. Um, she is actually deaf, which is really cool. Um, and she is still deaf, even with the Phoenix powers, um, which is, I'm glad they kept that around. Um, again, her being the Phoenix host is odd. Again, every mutant, most of the time it's been a mutant that's been carrying it. Um, but with the changes in John Hickman's X-Men run, uh, it's cool to see that they're still doing something with that character. We know Al Ewing took over the Phoenix um, as a, one of the original Avengers from the 1 million BC book. Or 1 million BC ever, technically. Um, so we will see that going forward. Uh, this is Like I said, and Phoenix and Song Echo is a miniseries coming out. And then we have... Oh, <laughs> this actually is more of a later news. That's the only card the other day. Fox News goes after the United States of Captain America. Uh, United States Captain America is a six-issue miniseries that just started last week, um, focusing on Captain America and now Falcon um, going around the country, uh, finding the person who stole Steve's shield uh, the night before he was supposed to drop it off at Smithsonian. Um, Fox News has, and Dean Kane, former Superman uh, actor, um, both chimed in on it last... I think this was t- is Tuesday, so this must have been Monday night or Saturday. So, um, there's there's a small line in the book where Steve Rogers talks about the American Dream and that it's a lie. That's kind of the small gist of it, um, but that's not exactly the full quote. That's the line that they took out and paraded around Fox News saying how, I guess it's cool that they can now just slam the United States and it's, 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 it's cheap to do so and it sells books. Um, but actually, that's not the actual quote. The actual quote, um... 
I don't have the book in front of me, so I'm not going to try to mince words. <laughs> try to mince words. See my new co-host. I'm <laughs> the, sorry, my phone is a very loud uh, vibrate. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so what's really cool, uh, what the actual quote is, it's more that where there, there are two um, American dreams. One is the lie, the lie that we tell ourselves, and the one that's the lie that's told to us. And then there's the actual American dream, the one that gets things done when we put away our differences and work together as one people. Um, and that's the line that's actually the full quote. And that's what what's so great about the book is he explains that, and as you'll see in, in the book, spoilers for the book, is that um, he actually goes around the United States and says that there are other Captain Americans that are around. So that's the whole point. Um, so Fox News took that small quote and it was like yeah well you know it's 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 marketing and liberals are ruining comics and blah 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 <laughs> and they don't know what captain america means i'm like guys guess what you might as well pick up a book and understand if you actually read the book you'll know that's not at all what he's talking about and he's actually talking about people working together and that it makes the united states a better country by doing so um so go fuck yourself fox news um please read a book <laughs> and normally i don't slander things like major companies, <laughs> but I don't care because you can't just make up stuff or catch the sensationalized headline, and I will actually agree with Rich Johnson, which I rarely do on the show, um, and check out his bleeding cool article about this, because um, he goes more in depth about what Dean Cain said and what uh, the guys at uh, Fox News did say about this. And finally, on a sad note, uh, Richard Donner passed away yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Donner, for those guys who don't know, uh, Created one of the best, one the, the seminal superhero movie of all time. He created the Superman franchise wow. of movies. So Superman one, two, three, and four are all from Richard Donner. Um, he was ninety one years old. Um, it's insane that that man. He's done more books and stuff like that. Um, I know even as a, a big Superman fan, um, I have every single movie, uh, every single Superman movie that he's done. Um, also inspired Jeff Johns to write The Last Sun Story. Um, it, it, it's the seminal idea of what you think about Superman. It's, it's the uh, Christopher Reeves Superman movie. Um, the tagline still has always read, uh, you can believe a man can fly, and it definitely still means something to this day. Um, it's crazy. Um, it's actually one of the only losses that I kind of feel in the celebrity world every once in a while. Um, he set the pinnacle of what we now have the reason why we had, can have like a Marvel Cinematic Universe is because of Richard Donner and what he did with uh, Christopher Reeve back then to make our childhood and our fantasies and dreams come true. Um, so it's a really sad loss to the industry. Um, and hopefully, and, and, and everyone kind of can get something out of this um, that, you know, it, it's it, it's just crazy. Um, but... It's rough, it's sad, um, but all thoughts and prayers go out to his family. And again, this is just, just a really just kind of sad note to end on for the news. Um, so hopefully we'll have better and brighter stuff coming in for next week. Uh, hopefully I think we're talking about me and Hunter talking about Sweet Tooth maybe. <laughs> if you watched it while he was on vacation. <laughs> Alright, so guys, as always, that was a quick news because... I didn't rant with Hunter for like 30 <laughs> minutes. It's actually 10 minutes worth of news. Normally, this is what the goal was when we first started the podcast. Um, my wife is very quiet and very shy on the show. She always is when she's on the show. Yep, still just sitting there. 
<laughs> I'm just waiting for my turn. There's no turn. You can <laughs> I'm going to chime in. You can chime in whenever you need to. <laughs> okay. Um, so, guys, just like as always, we were jumping into our topic. Our topic of the week. Hopefully, we'll have a thumbnail. I know Hunter didn't bring his laptop on vacation. That's why we may not have an original thumbnail for this episode, but when we get back, you'll see the new thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Um, we are talking about healthcare workers in comic books. Um, I know there have been a bunch of special one-shots. Um, AOWA put out a trade um, that ties into COVID and all the money that they made from that book um, went to hospitals and the healthcare workers. Um, I forgot uh, Something for a change, I think it was called, uh, from AWA. And clearly, uh, for the last year and change, we've been living in a pandemic. And clearly, this is to honor people like my wife, who is a actual healthcare worker. She's a nurse at a local hospital of ours out know. here on Long <laughs> Island. Um, I'm very proud to say that my wife's a nurse. She is like Thank one of my you. close heroes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's really cool. I do. I'm very proud. And, and I say this with the utmost respect that I love you so much. And like, it's crazy that you go out there and you bust your ass the entire time of COVID and you risked your life and, you know, you went out there and you killed it. Okay. I think that's a bad choice of words. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, again, like I said, it, it, it means a lot. Uh, but yeah, so we were talking about healthcare workers in comics. So uh, normally, uh, in the early days, healthcare workers were normally the besides if they weren't actually a hero in the comic books. Um, very stereotypical. They added in the early days when they did young romance. It was very stereotypical where you had things like very Grey's Anatomy ish. Yeah, the nurses were more the sidekicks to the doctors. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, if you've watched any sort of drama. Um, it's an absolute truth. Um, in old school comics, again, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason, yeah. and they played very much into that stereotype. Um, for the book, for books, but now, um, we live in the 21st century, and comic books have updated with modern times. And some of those heroes, have, uh, some of those people that were relegated as background characters, because it made no sense to have the hero actually be an an, an alter ego and other character. Uh, being a doctor, except for one major one in the 60s, which I will talk about later on, that ties into one of the people I've picked uh, as a character. But um, other than that, we're going to do our picks. Um, so, Leah, I'll have you go first. Okay. Uh, what is your pick for one of your favorite heroes that is also a healthcare worker? So, my pick, they are not technically superheroes. They are more of a ally to superheroes. Um, and when I first saw an image of the cover online, it really caught my eye. Um, so I'm, I picked the Night Nurse series. And what really obviously appealed to me was because I am a nurse that works at night. <laughs> so I'm like, that's really cool that there's a comic about nurses that work at night. So the, and it's actually not just one nurse. It is three. Um, it was a very limited series released in the early 70s. Um, and they are roommates working in New York City in a fictitious hospital called Metro General, and they are Linda Carter, Christine Palmer, and Georgia Jenkins. So these girls are nurses, and they all come from different socioeconomic and family backgrounds, 
And what I find interesting about this series is that even though they're not superheroes, they do heroic things that go beyond just medical care. <laughs> uh, it's actually pretty fascinating. And they also deal with social issues as well, especially for that time period. They touched upon, for example, Linda Carter was dating a wealthy businessman and he wanted her to choose between marrying him or be staying as a nurse. She chose to stay as a nurse. That definitely sounds like Grey's Anatomy like analogy <laughs> I said before. Um, yeah, but you know, that was a big issue back then and even sometimes still now where a lot of people, women would go to school, get degrees and it's like, okay, well you found your husband. You don't have to do that anymore. True. And she made the choice to know I'm going to stay with my career over a romantic relationship and a marriage, which is especially back then. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and then you have Christine Palmer who comes from a wealthy background and from the Midwest, and her father didn't want her to move to New York City at all. Okay. And then when he realized she was going to the city, he wanted her to be a debutante. He didn't want a socialite. He didn't want her to be a nurse. Fancy. You know, back in Florence Nightingale's day, being a nurse was something that was really looked down on. Her parents didn't want her to be one either. She was a wealthy woman as well. Right. And her parents were like, ew, why would you do that? Get married. We have money. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and he said, either you come back home or you don't come at all. And she... No, I'm going to say and do what I do. And then Georgia Jenkins, who's the African-American nurse, her brother was tricked into... He was um, some type of engineer working on the boiler in the hospital, mm -hmm. and he was tricked into almost blowing the hospital up. Okay. And then he doesn't go along with it, and he actually, I think, shoots someone or takes a bullet to protect the nurses, but he still gets a harsh prison sentence. And there's a whole commentary from Georgia that you have mob bosses running around New York City committing all these crimes, and then my brother gets... 20 years in jail or whatever it is for being caught up in this and he didn't really do anything. Right. So that, so it does tackle issues socially. And she's working around the country and she works at a spooky mansion. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's pretty interesting that they, they, they do the nursing stuff, and then they also do, like, crime detective stuff. Yeah. You know, like, Georgia, like I said, she uncovered the bomb plot. And, you know, Christine, she uh, she works in a spooky mansion for a paraplegic, and then she ends up returning to the hospital. And actually, all of these nurses, I think, or two of them for sure, Je um, Linda and Christine, actually run into superheroes. And were featured in their books later on after these were canceled because some of the writers were fans of this book series. Okay. And wanted to bring them back. So Linda, actually, she meets up with, I think it's Captain America. Let me just make sure. Mm -mm. I just want to get my info right. Yeah. <sighs> so she actually was featured during Civil War and she takes yes. Cap's side and joins his resistance group. Yes. She also welcomes the, a superhero team of the Young Avengers at their new headquarters in number two. But they sometimes change their names so they're not as easy to recognize, but they're basically generally Night Nurse. Yeah. And then she actually also basically was rescued by a superhero, I think. So she, in return to show her gratitude, offers her services for free. Okay. And basically superheroes like Luke Cage and Iron Fist can go off the record and get medical care that, by yeah, her that, and not is, have think, to go through, like, 
having their business known or having to do it through proper channels, she'll do it on the side for them. Right. I think that's free. that's the uh, Claire Temple one. Yeah. That's from the Fenders. Claire Temple, if you guys don't know, uh, that's the Rosario, Rosario Dawson's character yes. from um, the, the, blah, 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 the uh, Netflix series. Yes. So she's kind of an imagination of these nurses. She was yes. made for, because in the comics, I think it was Linda Carter who treated. Yes. Yes, back in 2004, yep. it was Linda Carter. She treated um, Daredevil, and she also treated Elektra, who was severely wounded by Skrulls during the Skrull invasion. Mm -hmm. That's a, yes, So they become really good friends, Carter and Elektra, after she basically helps her. And basically, also, Jessica Drew is also a longtime patient of hers. Yes. As well. And then Christine Palmer, she's linked, and I didn't actually catch this until mm -hmm. I did my research. Mm -hmm. She was actually in Doctor Strange. He was... The, the nurse that was dating him, Rachel McAdams. Yes. I didn't even realize that until I yeah. did my homework. Um, <laughs> but she ends up meeting Dr. Strange. They date for a while. They end their relationship. But they always seem to have, like, a close a close relationship. Um, she was featured in his five-part mini five-issues miniseries, The Oath. Yes, yeah, so that's actually... So the they one. get into a relationship briefly, and then they... They end it later on. Yeah, the but they are connected to each other. And then she's actually featured in the movie. And I think she, it says she's returning for the next Doctor yeah, Strange. We all, we, everyone's assuming they she's have her as a fellow surgeon in the movie instead of a nurse. Yes. But it, that she has the same name. That's their, their connection. Yeah. And then, like and like you said, Claire Temple, Rosaria Dawson, she just has the attributes. They kind of matched Claire Temple, who was a doctor mm -hmm. in the Luke Cage series, and they matched her with the Night Nurse moniker. Yeah. Um... And then they actually made her a character in the comic. Yes, and actually... She's the final night nurse. Yes, and then there also is a connection to X-Men as well. I think that's Chris, yes, Christine Palmer as well. She encounters Storm and Nightcrawler in Metro Hospital. I think Nightcrawler was the patient. Sure. And she ends up meeting them in one of the Nightcrawler books as well. Might have been his second series. Yeah, it was back in the... I think it was 2007. Right? So that was for his second series. That was, yeah. that was right after Messiah Complex. Oh, uh, right after... Yeah, so he was Messiah, a patient. Messiah Complex. Yeah, he was a... Yeah, number three in 2004. That's right. That's right. Both of the Daredevil and the Nightcrawler books were in 2004. Okay. May and September. Cool. And the writer of that Nightcrawler book was a huge fan of hers and wanted to bring it back because he realized Nightcrawler would be take place in a hospital. So Christine Palmer was the one that also treated Nightcrawler nice. at Metro General. Okay. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it was, so I found it really fascinating. There was the whole, like, the nurse stuff, but there was also, like, the crime drama stuff. And I love how you took, yeah. I'm like, oh, pick one. I'll put three together. Well, that, well, Night Nurse is not just one person. Yeah. That's, that, that was the whole thing. It was the three girls originally, and then plus also Claire Temple and and. Netflix, Netflix show. Yeah. So the moniker has been used. That's fair. Excuse me. So the moniker has been used for more than one person. So I, I think that's, you know, you know, they were trying to appeal to females. It was a very limited series. Yeah. Because, you know, women, you know, I don't know if they just assumed they weren't or. They assumed they didn't. That's exactly what it was. That they weren't into comic books. So they thought that it's high, you know, it was kind of like a catch 22 where it was like, it was a little too serious and there wasn't enough romance. Yeah. But also not male action oriented, like with a superhero yeah. comics. It was a catch twenty two. But you yeah. know, there were fans who did bring them back. When did Night Nurse first appear? She actually was. It was actually Linda Carter in the sixties. It was called Night Nurse Student Nurse. Okay. So it was like her own little, 
her own little book at first. Yeah. But the actual series, the four issue series that I'm talking about, was from November 1972 to May 1973. It was four issues. Okay. The night, the uh, student nurse one, which was called Linda Carter, not night nurse, it was called Linda Carter Student Nurse, was in 1961. Okay. She adopted the name night nurse for herself. And then they made a series yeah. with three nurses who were roommates and friends yeah. and each had all different It was an experience. It's just very much like I did mm-hmm. Spider-Man and the Spider-Man are three friends. It's and then it expansion. was Linda Carter in the books that was taking care of Daredevil and then they, they morphed that to Claire Thompson. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So it was fascinating. <laughs> so I guess I'll do my, uh, my first pick. My first pick is actually Jane Foster, um, current, former Thor, current Valkyrie. Um, first appearing in Journey, for, in Journey into Mystery 19, uh, number 84 uh, in September 1962. She worked alongside Donald Blake, former doctor, a.k.a. Thor, um, a.k.a. kind of weird persona now, thanks <laughs> to Donnie Cates, um, who's now locked up in hell and get, doing the Loki prison with the, with the snake. He is, he's Because he's a separate persona, he's locked up again with the snake oh, venom dripped in his eyes. The myth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's why Loki puts him at the end. Um, but yeah, so I'm talking about Jane Foster. Um, Jane Foster, like I said, was first appeared in Thor as a nurse that worked alongside Donald Blake, um, and was a major supporting character for Thor for many years, through Journey into Mystery for many years. Um, she eventually becomes a non-supporting cast, uh, member, um, when Thor himself, uh, drops the Donald Blake, uh, persona and continues on just being Thor when they they break the mystery where he's not really like Donald Blake is not a person type of thing. Um, and Thor is like Thor. Um, so major storyline for her besides her being his, um, being his on again, off again girl, uh, his on again, off again girlfriend for many years. Um, Jane was married at one point. Um, but she, instead of becoming, uh, instead of staying married, they end up getting divorced. Uh, but major storylines for, Jane include her becoming a chance at godhood when she ends up uh, meeting a high evolutionary, which she eventually turns down. Um, you'll, the other major story is the what if number eight or ten, where Jane comes Thor or Thordis for the book. Um, also, there's a major storyline where she is merged with the goddess of uh, with with Sif, actually, which oh, actually wow. makes it great for Thor. Um, but Instead, she goes back and uh, Sif and Thor uh, bring her back, and she she gets married right after that. Um, afterwards, she's just a civilian for many years um, until we get to Siege. Siege, for you guys don't know, that's the storyline that ended Dark Rain, uh, Dark Rain uh, where Asgard was being invaded, uh, which Asgard at that time was floating in Oklahoma. Um, was invaded by the Dark Avengers and Hammer. And she plays a major role where her and, uh, and Thor end up helping take down the Midgard Serpent, a.k.a. his, uh, call his grandfather, his uncle, sorry. Um, also, with her being back, she's also has, when they first reintroduced her back, she also has breast cancer. She's actually going through treatment at the time. Um, it actually really is a messed up whole story. It's very, very sad. Yeah. And in fact, we didn't know she was going to survive. Uh, but she does, and clearly now knows she's Valkyrie. Um, at that period, she, while undergoing treatment, post-original sin, um, 
Thor is considered unworthy um, by Nick Fury. Nick Fury whispers like three words in, into his ear. He drops a hammer. It becomes unworthy. So, uh, the hammer is then picked up by someone else, quoting, saying the quote, so there always needs to be a Thor, and then becomes this female Thor that exists for a while. That is Jason Aaron's amazing run on Mighty Thor, um, where even the readers didn't know who this Thor was. Um, because everyone knew it couldn't be Jane Foster because she was going through chemo. Um, but she actually makes a sacrifice of going and becoming Thor. When it's revealed to us that she is Thor, we also learn that while she is um, going through chemo, um, every time she picks up the hammer, it actually nullifies all her chemo treatments. Mm-hmm. So she's essentially dying every time she picks up the hammer. Oh, wow. And she's choosing to do so. Um, which is great. Um, her run is amazing. I have the entire run. I'm missing volume one. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll find that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, it is a great run. Jason Aaron does a great job. I feel uh, watching out her as a character, more than just a former psychic of Thor, uh, really a hero coming into her own. Um, yes, it is during the time of all new and all different Marvel, where it seemed like the Marvel landscape changed in a very drastic uh, direction. Um, but she, during that time, Jane Foster, during the Avengers, she dated Sam Wilson Falcon, who didn't know she was Jane Foster. Um, and then after that, we go into, I think her, oh, her run ends uh, when Gog, the, uh, uh, the all-Gog, no, sorry, that's from, here's one, when uh, Mangog shows up, and it's the final fight between the two of them. She sacrifices Molnir and gives up her right to meet Thor. Um, beating uh, Gog, and then she is just on Earth. Um, later on, uh, she picks up the hammer, uh, a piece of a, uh, of a hammer, the hammer being the ultimate universe hammer um, that was brought to our main Marvel Universe post-Secret Wars. Um, there, she becomes female Thor again to help uh, Thor, me, young Thor and uh, King Thor to fight against Malekith during the War of Realms. Um, and as a fallout, the pieces of the Ultimate Universe Hammer become Jotun Broar, um, the all-weapon. Um, from there, she takes up the mantle of Valkyrie, um, which imbues her not only, not just with a crazy power, similar to Thor, uh, and not only is she just a Valkyrie, she is a multiversal Valkyrie, which means she helps heroes from throughout the multiverse in the different dimensions, of, uh, different, uh, Death cycles of uh, of hell. Her first mission being uh, escorting Heimdall to the afterlife. Um, I won't go too much into that series because that series is still ongoing now. Kind of sorta. It ended. It was Jane Force of the Valkyrie, then uh, uh, Mighty Return of the Valkyries, and then Mighty Valkyries, which is going on now. Um, Jane has become a well-rounded character, a a very strong independent character. I just wish that she was actually in the Thor book more mm-hmm. um, than just her own series. It's that's just a marketing thing um, because of things like people not recognizing her as a character or her not being Thor anymore or the fact that mm-hmm. she looks completely different because she was Thor for a while and you don't see her really in her human form uh, in the book on and off. Um, but uh, plus size, they made her cancer free um, in the book. Or, well, it's in remission. I think they made it in remission in the book. Because we all said, and, and this is a comic book thing we have talked about on the show before and, in, and at the shop, is that it's messed up if you cure cancer in a comic book. Um, you can make up other diseases to do the same thing. That, that are similar, but you can cure in the comic book. But never do the real thing. Um, but yeah, so my pick was Gene Foster. 
check her out. She's definitely in, right now, Mighty Valkyries. So I think it's on issue four mm-hmm. or five. It's good both. So, Lee, what is your second and final pick? So my second and final pick, which uh, has a connection with the nightmares I was just talking about, is Doctor Strange or Doctor Stephen Strange. Um, he was an arrogant surgeon who loses his ability to perform surgery after a car accident. His hands tremble uncontrollably, which we know, obviously, you can't do no, surgery if your hands neuro- aren't steady. Not as a neurosurgeon. Um, obviously, with a bruised ego, he would not accept a teaching job, and he tries to find a way to get the function back in his hands. He spends all his money. It just doesn't work. He ends up becoming a drifter. He's lost. He can't figure out what he wants to do. And he overhears two people discussing a hermit called the Ancient One, um, who is the Earth Sorcerer Supreme in the Himalayas, yes. um, who can cure any ailment ever. So he is basically at the bottom of the barrel, down on his luck, has no, hardly any money left, seeks out the Ancient One, and the ancient one kind of sees him coming from a mile away. You're arrogant. I don't want nothing to do with you. I'm not going to help you. Um, but he does sense that he does have some goodness in him. Um, and so strange, you know, at first he's trying to get this help. And then he finds out that the ancient one's disciple, Baron Mordo, is trying to kill him. And then he confronts him. Ends up getting restrained, and he can't warn the Ancient One. He ends up accepting his offer to become his apprentice, just so he can help the old man. And the Ancient One, who knew about Mordo's plot all along, is pleased with the fact that Doctor Strange showed selflessness and a change of heart. He's freed from his shackles, and he takes Doctor Strange on as his apprentice. Um, after he learns the mystic arts, he moves to Greenwich Village at the Sanctum Santorum, and he has his own personal assistant, and learns all these magical abilities. It wasn't called a personal assistant back then. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no, it's called a manservant. It's manservant. Which is, oh, we're going back to the old days. Which is completely inappropriate to use. Yeah, so I'm using the PC term. And then he finds all these um, strange enemies and gods and goddesses it's like she has the actual book in front of her right now (laughs) you know he finds all these crazy things and um yeah and he becomes this great sorcerer (laughs) all right so since Doctor strange is still an ongoing series and and, and still an ongoing character uh can you tell me one of your favorite moments of doctor strange i just think when he really makes that turn from being the arrogant surgeon. And, you know, there's a joke in the medical community that what is the difference between God and a surgeon is God doesn't call himself a surgeon. And there's a lot of truth. Nerds. But it's the truth. Of where, you know, there's a lot of truth yeah. to this, stere- you know, the stereotype, and I know many wonderful surgeons, but, you know, he kind of fits that bill, unfortunately. Yeah, so the fact that he becomes humble and he... And I think a lot of healthcare workers who become sick or become injured and they can't accept the fact that they can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, because in our profession, back injuries and other types of injuries are very common and they're yeah, career ending. Yeah. You know, you only get one back, <laughs> yeah. but it can be any type of injury or illness. Um, 
And I think finding that you still have a purpose and that you can do other things, I think that's really special about Dr. Strange's journey. That yes, he's not a surgeon anymore. He might have, you know, not been a surgeon for the right reasons. Right. But now he's helping other people for the right reasons. Like when he was helping the ancient one not get killed, there wasn't anything in it for him. Fair. And I think that's when the ancient one realized, okay, there's something there. Yeah. You know, my lawyer as a surgeon, I'm sure he was doing it for the money and the title and oh, I'm, you know, I'm God, you know, I can yeah. see people, you know, it, it wasn't for the whole, <laughs> you know, what do you call it? It wasn't for a, you know, charitable, I'm helping people. Right. You know, I'm doing it because I'm Ken and I'm good at it. And I can make money and they rely on me. Right. And so to see that that growth as a character and to see that even though it's, you know, your career didn't go the way it was going to or you have a physical ailment, you know, you could still do wonderful things. Right. You could still help people. That's cool. So I think that's really special. Yeah, that's good. So that definitely appealed to me. His character definitely appealed to me in that sense. Okay. His story in general just appeals to me for that reason. And, you know, it's on the, you know, the other side of, even though, you know, healthcare, there's a lot of similarities, you know, there's a lot of differences. And I'm sure physicians go through their own challenges yeah. that a nurse wouldn't understand and vice versa. That's still so, true. Yeah, it's interesting to see. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's that. That's yeah. actually a wonderful answer. You know, honestly, it's like, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, healthcare is a team yeah. and one is not better than the other. Yeah. You know, your education is different. Your experience levels are different. But, you know, if you all work together, that's the best interest for everybody. That's true. And I think if we all talked to each other a little more and understood what we do and our role and respected everybody's roles, you know, because, like I said, the roles of nurses and you know, care assistants and other professionals has changed over the years where you're not just a handmaid. Yeah. You're not just an assistant. Yeah. You're not just, no, be quiet and just do what they tell you. No, that's not acceptable. Fair. You have autonomy. You have, you ask questions, you critically think. You're not just carrying out tasks. True. And, you know, when you work together in that mindset, everybody, that's the best possible outcome for everybody. Well, see, that's awesome. Yeah, I would have ended it there, but I still have to go. <laughs> that's a wonderful <laughs> note to end it, like oh, a topic on. But that's okay. But I still have to buy I'm interested to hear what you have to so say. So my over. pick is actually, oh my god, my eye itches. Yeah. It's a bad allergy day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scratching, so I understand how I'm you feel. Like, uh, so take that Benadryl tonight. <laughs> so my final pick is actually Thomas Wayne Flashpoint Batman. Ooh, um, I didn't know Batman was a physician. His, Thomas is his father. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't really know his parents' backstory too much. It's really cool. This, but it's going to Batman. Oh, interesting. So, Flashpoint Batman or Thomas Wayne. I mean, I could have chose Thomas Wayne from the main continuity. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, this Thomas Wayne is actually a superhero. Um, currently showing up in Infinite Frontier. Um, but Thomas Wayne, this Thomas Wayne comes with Flashpoint Universe. Flashpoint Universe, Barry goes back in time and changes the past by keeping his mother alive. He stops Reverse Flash from killing his mother. Yes. And that sets up a cascade of, of insanity. So it's kind of um, like changing time. Yeah. Or something in time changes all their events. Yeah, everything else. So even she, the most minute detail. Right. So okay. Superman crashes in Metropolis instead of Smallville. Oh. 
Uh, and he's caught by the government. Uh, Cyborg's the, uh, like, the hero. Um, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are going to, are at war with each other. Oh. Um, London's underwater because of it. Like, it's a crazy wow. thing. And Thomas Wayne is Batman. A gun-toting, violent Batman. So it was his wife and son that, that died? That were killed, yeah. And, oh, no. Bruce died. Martha comes Joker. Oh, well, the joke that's in that series. It's actually really cool. Um, you know, it's sad. That's, it's dark and it's sad. sad. You know, it just kind of shows like two two responses to losing a child. Yes, that's that exactly what it is. actually makes a lot of sense. The reason why she has the smile, she goes, you oh, well. You try to mask it or you that's what it was. She, violent, that's what she did. She, angry person, yeah. She cut the, her, the smile to her face. She goes, oh, see, Thomas, I'm, I'm smiling. And that's when she becomes a joker. Um, so Thomas also... So again, major differences. Major difference from our current uh, Earth Zero Batman. Um, he then shows up after Flashpoint. Everyone assumes Flashpoint universe ends at the end of Flashpoint when time is rewritten, and we are then sprung uh, springboard into the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. um, which for did for many, 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 many years. Mm-hmm. Um, the next time we actually see him is in the Button crossover. Um, in which the button from the Watchmen universe is in the DC universe, um, as a prelude to Doomsday Clock, they end up going and finding uh, Thomas. And Thomas and the Flashpoint universe is still alive. Um, It wasn't wiped out at the end of Flashpoint. Um, It is in the process of being wiped out for time travel shenanigans by Dr. Dr. Manhattan. Um, Thomas has always pushed Bruce not to be Batman. Um, mm-hmm. even the final letter that he writes at the end of Flashpoint is about Thomas, is about him wanting Bruce to live a life that he didn't get, 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 get a chance to live yeah. while he himself was Batman. Yeah. Um, seemingly we th- thought he died during that point. Uh, we were wrong there because he shows up in the city of Bane as the actual bad guy behind the entire Bane story that Tom King wrote. Mm. It's amazing uh, that he's the secret villain behind the entire thing. Wow. His entire mechanism is to prove that um, Bruce does not need to be Batman to be happy. Um, even though it was kind of subverted when they had uh, Holly play Holly play Catwoman to, and mess with her about her needing to leave Bruce so he can be happy. Because he couldn't be Batman and be happy at the same time. Which is true. He can't be Batman and be happy at the same time. No. Um, well, kind of, sort of, he can. We know that at the end of Joker War, it kind of proves that he could, but it was just dumb. It was very messed up at that point. <laughs> um, but, well, I imagine it's difficult to live but, a but, life where you put where you, what you want first at the same time where you're putting everything oh, yeah. else first. Absolutely. But he would have been with Selena. That was the whole point. Oh, okay. that, that, it was their wedding. That okay. was the whole thing. Everything was their, their wedding. She leaves him at the altar type of thing. Oh, okay. Um... So, yeah, Tom showing up there, being the secret villain is crazy. Um, the fact that he was working with Bane the entire time, that he's also okay with killing Alfred, which that was an editorial thing, not an actual, like, Tom King thing. Mm. Um, so, and I also hate the end of the video, so <laughs> I make no shame of it. I've said that many times on the show. Okay. Um, it's a bad editorial decision. Yeah, um, sounds like it. So, Thomas uh, is pretty much a bad guy. But he's um, also a physician? Yes, he's a doctor. So... Thomas, is, before becoming Batman in the Flashpoint universe, mm-hmm. is a physician. It's a star-studded physician. Like, mm-hmm. he, um, if you've, you've seen the Dark Knight movies and stuff like that, he's Dr. Thomas Wayne. He is a world-renowned surgeon. So he's like Dr. Stranger. Like, insane. Um, yeah. But 
because of the loss of his son in Flashpoint Universe, he dedicates his life to being Batman. He also opens a Wayne Casino, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy, which I thought was weird. I don't know why they did that. Um, but yeah, so Wayne Casino is a big thing, too, mm-hmm. uh, from Flashpoint Universe. Um, in continuity now, he is currently in Infinite Frontier, uh, mm-hmm. which is a DC mega event that started two weeks ago. Um, that's where we run for six months. Um, with I'm assuming he's going to be joining Justice Incarnate with Calvin Ellis, aka President Superman, or 23, uh, and the rest of those guys. Um, but he shows up in a rocket very similar to Superman, uh, and crash lands on Ca- uh, Calvin's Earth, which is weird. Yeah. Um, because at the end of uh, City of Bane, he is I think locked away. Because it's not even like there was no multiverse, but because of things like metal, uh, so things like death metal happened afterwards. There's a, there will be an explanation of why he's still around. Uh, I am excited to see him. I always kind of like uh, a little bit of Dark Batman. That's why I'm a bigger fan of Midnighter than I am Batman. Uh, Midnighter is a violent Batman, but he happens to be gay. Um, he's married to Apollo, which is an analog Superman. Oh, wow. uh, they have an adopted daughter, Jenny Quantum. Um, that's why I also like Thomas. Thomas is a violent Batman. He is the he is the reason why Batman makes sense. Like Batman cannot have a rose gallery that tune Saint to let live. Like <laughs> um, yeah. he his his villains need to be put down. And Thomas does that. Um, yeah. If you want to see a cool live action version of him, you can check out not live action a cool animated version of him. You can check out Flashpoint Paradox. Uh, it's a movie that came out. Uh, I want to say. Eight years ago at this point? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while. It's a cool animated movie. Check it out. Um, oh, and there's always been a fan position for Jeffrey D. Morgan, who played Thomas in Batman vs. Superman, uh, to play Flashpoint Batman. He has the body build, yeah. the look, and everything the, to play. The demeanor, yeah. for sure. He just be played Negan, but as Batman. Like, let's or be fair. Canadian, yeah. Yeah. Like he has that, that persona, for yeah. sure. Um, but that's actually really... That's why I picked him. He's actually this, like, dark insane Batman. Um, it's insane. And also, it's funny enough that as a Superman fan, I own a lot more Batman books than I should. <laughs> um, but it really is, like I said, he is one of my favorite characters because of that. Um, and one of my favorite positions in comics. Um, so guys, I will end our topic. We will now jump into our book reviews. Thank you, Lee, for this. Uh, oh, jumping on. Uh, so, because Hunter's not here... I will be carrying all three books. One book will be full of spoilers. The other two will be quick rundowns of stuff. So I'll jump into the first book, which is Masters of the Universe Revelation from Dark Horse Comics, written by Kevin Smith and Rob Dave. Uh, I think and art by, I want to say, yep, Tim Sheridan. This is the official prequel book to the Masters of the Universe Revelation Netflix series coming out in three weeks. From the time of us recording. That looks good. Um, it's a great... Anim- the, the animation looks great for the show. Um, but this is the official prelude. The prelude for this does reveal um, the origin of the po- uh, sort of power. Um, who King Grayskull was. Wow. The name Where the name Castle Grayskull comes from. The art is magnificent. In the book, I do also like the B cover, which I do have in front of me. Um, it's done by Mike Mignola. Of Hellboy fame, so it does add a creepy vibe to the cover. But the interior art is very similar to it, very similar to the art of the um, cartoon on Netflix. 
So it's a great book. Um, there's a lots of twists and turns. Like I said, you get to learn the three other holders of the power, the sort of power. Um, this is kind of a bridge book. It does kind of bridge the ending of the original 1980s He-Man cartoon to the Massive Universe Revelation series. Um, it's like I said, it's a fun read. It's great. Uh, because again, this is my, this actually would have been my book. This pretty much would have been Hunter's book, um, to cover. So he would have said some nonsense I wouldn't have cared about. Um, but the book's great. Uh, I'm giving it a four out of five. My main reason why I'm giving it a four out of five is because it is a prequel series and that I know that this won't finish by the time episode one comes out. Uh, I think that the last issue of this comes out in, what we, July, August, month. November, October. Uh, so I wish this came out like four months ago. That's my like my my only negative about it. Um, and not knowing a lot of uh, He-Man backstory. I know here and there bits and pieces. I watched the second series that came out of He-Man. Um, the anime looking one that was on Cartoon Network for a little bit in 2000 and something. Um, the same studio did Thundercats at one point. Um, but yeah, that was my whole negative with it. But it's a cool book. I liked it a lot. Uh, like I said, giving it a four out of five. Um, my book this week actually would is uh, Just League Infinity uh, from DC Comics, written by uh, Dave Mateus and art by I want to say Tucker, but it's not by Tucker. Um, James uh, uh, James Tucker also wrote it. Um, the artist is Ethan Beavers. Uh, Bevers, Bevers. Oof. Um, Just League Infinity takes place right after Just League Unlimited, not right after, but shortly after Just League Unlimited finale, um, but before, this would be epilogue. Um, the book is the classic JLU team, uh, with some new faces showing, big, uh, showing Barter and Elongated Man on the team, which will also explain why Barter is part of Just League in uh, epilogue. Um, I'm going to quote uh, DC Watchtower database, Will Cannon, and it kind of doesn't um, when you look at uh, DCEU, um, DCAU uh, stuff. But it's a cool, fun book for those that are fans of the actual original series. Um, I like it a lot. My one major, major complaint is the art style. It looks too cartoony oh. for this. I wish it was more. And I get what it, it's very much similar to the Master Universe thing, where the Master Universe is trying to get close to the art style of the um, series, the Netflix series, and I said this about um, the Batman uh, Adventure series when that first premiered, I did, I did the book review on that on this show. Um, I wish they did that for this, where even if they took some, an artist that's similar to Ty Templeton and do something similar to his art style for this book, um, because it w will work out a lot better. I think the art style for this is too cartoony and too out there for the book. Um, but the book actually takes place during a time where Doc's, again, like I said, this is after the uh, epilogue, sorry, after the last episode of Just the Unlimited, but before the epilogue episode, um, Doc's side is gone and the powers that be on Apocalypse uh, are kind of trying to fill the vacuum in the void uh, that Darkseid kind of left, where Grand Goodness and Kalibek have gone to war with each other. Um, now that the the Justice League has to kind of intervene in this, um, which is this, that's like the B story um, in this entire thing. Um, the major A story is actually about Amazo. Um, Amazo from the comic book, um, 
actually to see proper content was built by Teal Moro to be an android that can absorb the abilities of the Justice League members, uh, whoever the Justice League was at the, t at the, at the time. Um, but then you have um, this Amazo, who's ascended to this godlike persona. Uh, I forgot what last episode we saw him in, but like he chills out and plays chess with Dr. Fate and like does weird cosmic stuff. So he's exploring the universe and exploring pretty much essentially the multiverse. Um, which, again, I've said this a million times and I'll continue saying this on this show. I love multiverse nonsense. It's the best part why I picked Thomas Wayne. Batman is my favorite, like, position. Um, why I love every DC crisis, no matter how bad it is. I love <laughs> it still. Yes, that includes Final Crisis. That was a dumpster fire, but I love that. Um, it's cool. Like, I like the concept of multiverse in this. Um... And you have kind of like a sea story with Martian Manhunter um, and his kind of finding his way in humanity. We know in the show, uh, he quit the Justice League at one point. He went to go do the soul searching mission. He joins them for the final battle against uh, Darkseid and the Parademons. That's where the big speech, uh, Superman speech about living in a world of cardboard comes from, which is like the best speech in all animated TV show history. Um, so seeing John back is cool. Um, but again, it, it's not necessary. It's one of those, like, it's cool that he's there. Thank you for adding him in to see the original roster kind of sort of there. Um, makes sense. But again, it's not necessary because we, he went out to be and find himself in the world. Um, it, it's cool. Like that's, you didn't need that C story. Um, you really just needed the Amazer story and the, 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 the Just League versus like stuck in the middle of the war between, for the for the Thunder Apocalypse story, um, so it's crazy. It's great. Um, it's a fun story. Uh, like I said, my major knock on it is the art. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just not for me. I think it's just a little bit too cartoony. It doesn't fit it. Like I said, I just needed a little bit more sharper art. Um, something along the line like the like the art from like the He Man book would have been a better book, a uh, better, better art in my opinion for this. So I am giving it a four out of five for this. And then finally, our final book for the week is Ordinary Gods, written by, I want to say Kyle Higgins. Yeah, it's written by Kyle Higgins. Um, and all by Philippe Watanabe. Uh, full spoilers, guys, for this. Um, so I'm going to do a basic run-through. And actually, Hunter's not here, so I actually don't have to do full spoilers if I don't want to. Um, opens up 22 years ago, um, where a gentleman is actually in a fight with a rival gang members. And, and when he dies, a body kind of spirit leaves him. Leaves him. Um, it's also called As the World Turns, which is chapter one. Um, and then it shifts gears to a alternate world, a world where realms are broken up by, like, emotion and, like, characteristics. Um, eventually that, that world goes to war. And that's, that's the B story in this one. Uh, the A story surrounds a young, uh, you're actually a young kid, not young, um, a kid that's in therapy, actually, um, which is set now, who's, uh, he's 22 years old, I can't even find his name, I can't even remember when I was reading this, what his name was, it doesn't say anything bad about the book, it just says it's, it's a lot, it's a, a lot of information for this book, um, but anyway, he ends up, I think his name's Peter, I want to see Peter, I have the book in front of me, there's no reason for me not to know this, uh, do, 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 one second, Christopher, there you go. <laughs> um, it's really cool. Um, you have his life story. While they're playing out every 
other page is the history of this other realm. We turn to find out that there's a during this rebellion that happens in this other realm, um, they're immortal, so they essentially cannot die. No matter what happens, they cannot die. Um, but at one point, they realize they just can't keep doing that. So what they do is they build a machine that allows them to transfer their body, their soul and essence, into another body to be reborn um, using this machine. Um, and then you, when you're awakened, you'll know. Um, that you're this person, and that's what this fight takes place in. Um, that is brings us their war to our world, uh, where Christopher is actually um, the head of this rebellion that he doesn't even know about because he hasn't awakened yet. Um, it also proves that other people along the line history have also been these people. Oh, wow. Why, like Lincoln got assassinated and stuff like that. You can ensue by the cover, like certain ones, like Lincoln. You have uh, oh, Queen like, Elizabeth. Yeah, historical figures. Yeah, that's that cool. some of them might have been part of this war in the past. Um, Fascinating. It's really cool. But one, I love Kyle Higgins a lot. Mm-hmm. If, if you're reading Kyle Higgins, go read uh, Radiant Black. Um, it's amazing. Radiant Black's like a like a fan fiction on crack. It's amazing. <laughs> I love Radiant Black. It's his okay. power because he also used Red Parenters. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so it's a great book. I love the art. Uh, I think Ordinary Gods is one of those books that, in long format, is going to be great. Um, because there is a lot to be answered and asked and answered about this world and how the gods work. Um, I gotta see if it's gonna be a long format. I'm not sure if it's a miniseries or not. Um, but it's a cool book. It's very out of the ordinary. It reminds me very much of Wicked and Divine, where um, gods of old would be resurrected on Earth for an X period of time and then they would die at the end of this X period. Uh, but they're like celebrities and everything on Earth. It's, oh, wow. it's cool. Wicked Divine is a really great series. It ran for like a long time. It's a great series. Check that out too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I get from this book. I get a lot of Wicked Divine uh, vibes from this book. Um, but it's great. Go check that book out and check this book out. It's fantastic. I am giving it like a. I'm giving this one a five out of five. Wow. I like this book a lot. <laughs> I also like. It's more because I like Kyle Higgins. And his storytelling, it makes me want more. That's the a lot of reasons why I give when I give books five out of fives. It's more to do with the fact that I want more when I'm reading it. Yeah, like the other two books are fine. Like I said, like I love Just League Unlimited. Like I love the series, and I like that they're doing a sequel series, Just League Infinity. But what knocks me is the art, and comic books are a dual medium. Yeah, I think a lot of people tend to forget that. Um, so the story is great, but the art to me is eh. So I very much. I want more, but the it's the same reason why I actually don't own a copy of The Dark Knight. It's the same reason why it took me forever to read that book. Why it took me forever to get a copy of All Star Superman. I wasn't crazy about the art. I actually don't like Frank Miller's art. Um, I'm not crazy about Frank Quietly, but Frank Quietly mm-hmm. does good stuff in things like Batman, Batman and Robin and uh, Jim's Legacy. So it's just the right art has to hit the right book. And I think a different artist in, in Infinity would have been a better job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ordinary Gods hits on all cylinders. I think also amazing. The story is cool. It makes me want more. I want to know more about this war and about this world um, and everything that goes on in it. Um, it's super great. Like I said, I'm giving it a 5 out of 5. And that should wrap up the actual episode. Yeah. It's actually one of our shortest episodes. See what happens when I don't have Hunter here rambling with me? <laughs> Keeps you on track. Exactly. So, honey, thanks for coming on the show oh, and right. helping me oh, fill in it. and talking about healthcare workers and comics. And guys, thanks for listening. You can head over to our website, androidscomics.com, check out this week's previews and new releases. Follow us on Instagram at Androids underscore comics, the podcast Instagram, Androids Amazing Podcast, and our Twitter account, Androids Amazing, for up-to-date news. 
Uh, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and as always, share with a friend, and as always, support your lucky comment shop, and have a nice day. Have a great night.